Welcome to the Three Questions Podcast. We take questions from our church family and do our best to answer them from a biblical worldview. We, all of us, have the privilege to serve the Lord's Church here locally at Southern Hills Baptist Church in Oklahoma City. Doug Melton is our lead pastor. Randy Whittall is our pastor of missions and evangelism. My name is Daniel Snow. I get to be pastor of discipleship and young adults. And we love to have these questions come in. And we, we always want to let you know there's three ways you can send them in. You can email three questions podcast at myshbc.com. And that's with the number three at the beginning. You can go to the website, myshbc.com slash contact. Or you can text 505-258-2076. And just know that we keep all questions anonymous. And uh, guys, we have kind of just finished up with Snowpocalypse here, <laughs> Oklahoma City style. And uh, uh, did you guys get to play any in the sub-zero temperatures? Yeah, I, I did a little bit with the grandkids. Nice. Uh, a little bit of snowball fight. Yeah. Uh, with an 18-month-old, you have to be very careful. <laughs> <laughs> Throw gently. <laughs> really gently. Um, but didn't get to do any sledding. And yeah. that's, that was what I missed out on, but a little bit of snowball fight. Yeah, snowball fights are good. Uh, I, I didn't get any real chance to go outside and play other than just shoveling sidewalks and driveways but uh, that yeah. was about as close as i came <laughs> i'm and not a, counting that and a, and a little accidental sledding you know when you step on an icy <laughs> right. spot and you're shooting off you do slide the you do you yeah do you slide. can go a long way um, okay well today we are going to get into uh, a couple of questions three to be exact Oh, that's a good number. It's, we're trying something new today. Okay, okay, I like this idea. And uh, the first question is a really good, basic question that I think everyone who is, is wanting to be honest about their faith at some point probably asks. And the question is, how do we know the Bible is God's Word? And, and the reason it's so important for us to answer this is because we do talk about that it's our authority. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I mean, we our the foundation of our faith obviously is built on the fact that we can trust God's word to be inerrant, authoritative, accurate, and in, in everything that it speaks to. I mean, we we believe that, but it, I think it's a great question because we don't believe it just blindly. Right. Uh, you know, we there are lots of reasons that we believe and I think can know God's word really is given by God. One, its own claim. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are many, many places, but obviously the, you know, Timothy talked when Paul wrote to Timothy, you know, he says all scripture is given by God. It's, it's breathed by him. Yeah. And, and so, you know, there's that, that self revelation claim or self revelatory claim that, that it's God's word. But I think there's more than that. I mean, there's, we know, or to, for, from my perspective, we can also look at what does, does God's word do what it claims to do? Mm-hmm. You know, do people find peace and joy and revival and healing and power in the words? And I think we can authoritatively say for centuries, the the Bible has changed the course of mankind more than more than any other book or or writing you know ever. Yeah. Uh, so you've got all of that. It it, it has archaeological support, scientific support. Uh, so um, you know, 
apart from the fact that I don't even know if a person would have to say, I believe in God to recognize that the Bible has authority, that the Bible, you know, it it teaches principles upon which civilization is built of right and wrong. And, uh, uh, you know, and so I think, I think it has great, we have great basis to believe it's true. So there's, so, and I think those are really good examples of kind of external evidence, mm-hmm. like that, that there is historical, archaeological, scientific stuff that just keeps pointing that at its truthfulness. And then there's internal evidences um, like that, that we see that it was written over centuries, not even just a few, but like 1500 years span the writings of scripture and probably around 40 different authors from extremely different backgrounds, uh, some highly educated, some not educated, uh, whether it's, whether it's kind of the head of secret service, uh, for in the, in the Medo-Persian empire, which would be Nehemiah or whether it's fishermen or whether it's prophets or whether it's a doctor. I mean, you got all kinds of backgrounds putting into this, we believe inspired by the same Holy Spirit. And so you have a consistency throughout that it just keeps fitting together. That's right. Even though these people weren't working together. Not written multiple languages. One single message. That's right. God saves. Yeah. 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 And that, you know, if if you were just to take uh, the four of us sitting in this room right now and say, okay, over the last 15 years, write something that you would all agree upon. Mm-hmm. 15 years. Well, that it'd be in, impossible. There, there, it, we would be so divergent from one another. And here you have a single book that's written over 1,500 years, and the message is consistent all the way throughout. Yeah. It's the story of redemption. That's right. And and like I said, that that evidence of there are, there's no other written document that has so many copies of it and so many found over so many periods of time, you know, so uh, close to the original. That's exactly right. Mm. All of them so close yeah. with with little or no variation uh, is is and that back to a time when everything even back to times where everything had to be individually hand copied, mm-hmm. and yet. You find fragments uh, in the Dead Sea Scrolls, and, and that that match almost that match letter for letter with books written centuries later. So you know it's there would it would it's would be very difficult to accredit such accuracy over such a long period of time to anything other than divine intervention. Yeah. And, yeah. and and that's why we've we've always got to remember that the sacred writings of any other religion do not hold up to the historical accuracy that the Bible holds up to. That's every single mm-hmm. location and the scripture has far more geographical locations mentioned than any other ancient and every single one of them has been borne out there has never been one where well i we we don't think that one ever existed it's 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 false that does happen in other sacred writings of other religions where archaeological places have never been verified Mm -hmm. it's not true of the bible the further we go with archaeology archaeology 
the more things keep showing up as consistent. Like we don't find things that say, oh, well, that doesn't match up. It just keeps being affirmed. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's so interesting, guys, that in the scientific world, uh, they're now starting to say that all we need is a single drop of blood and we can identify diseases, sicknesses, predispositions, something like that. Well, Scripture, 3,500 years ago, it says life, life is, is in, in the, the blood. blood. Mm-hmm. That's right. 3,500 years ago, and we're just now finding out, yeah, you know what? You can take a single drop of blood and pretty much identify that person's life. Yeah, yeah. that is pretty awesome. It is cool. And, and you know, definitely we're not the only theists. Uh, we're, we're not the only ones who believe in a God. And, and so, you, you know, you, you look around at all the design in the world and, and you have to know that there's a designer behind that. But that doesn't bring us to the God of the Bible. But, however, if you look at all the religions of the world who are believing in a God of some kind, you realize, well, they are contradictory. So they cannot all be true. So then there must be one that would stand out in a meaningful way. And that's exactly what we get with biblical Christianity. Because in one way or another, all the other religions of the world are saying, reach up to God. Mm-hmm. Now, some of them say that through violence. Some of that say that through peace. The um, reincarnation. Reincarnation. Some effort to try to attain yeah. a, a relationship with God. That, that requires us to put forth the effort. Right. And then there's this one, this one that stands out as completely different and really opposite because it says we can't reach up, but he has reached down to us um, in the work of Christ. And so, um, so it does. It all just points to this being unique and not just unique, but, but true. That's right. And so it's beautiful. Yep. Like we were talking about earlier, to anybody who has doubts about the authenticity or reliability of Scripture, the the best advice I can give you is read it. Yeah, read agreed. it all. Start and read it all the way through. The way you know, in in the way we have it in canon, or or even in chronological form, you know, the way it ha- occurred. But just read it, mm-hmm. and uh, and. Don't just read about it. That's right. Read it. Read the Word. Let God's Word speak to you. Mm -hmm. It is, as we talked about, it's a living, you know, the Scriptures are living. Yeah. And uh, and they touch us. They touch us in a way that uh, can help us to to understand God's purposes. One of my favorite verses that applies to that, 1 Thessalonians 2.13, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received... The word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. So good. That that is. Received it as it is. Yeah. Spoken through men. Spoken Mm -hmm. through. Absolutely. We don't deny that. That's right. But it's not the word of men. It is the word of God. And we've got to receive it as the word of God. It's good. Okay. Awesome. Can't do better than that. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Next question is, what is a biblical principle of parenting you've learned over the years? You know, I, I like this because again, as we discussed before we went on the air, you know, I like this idea that the, the person's question is a biblical principle, not 
not just something that's worked for us because we're pastors, but something that's that's based on Scripture. And uh, I, I just jotted down two. One is the principle of teaching your children the Word of God, mm-hmm. filling them with Scripture, whether that is reading to them and with them uh, through uh, hymns and songs that, that teach God's Word. Uh, and not, like I said, not just teaching them about God's Word, but teach them God's word. Yeah. Make it make it something that is uh, important, as as important as you would think learning math and science and history at school is. Make learning scripture equally or more so important in your child's life. Yeah. And then the other one would be, as parents, modeling a a Christian life, a, a, the life of a disciple before your children. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if there's anything that could be more impactful for a child. Then, as they grow up, seeing their mother and father praying, mm-hmm. reading scripture, sharing their faith, and witnessing to others—I mean that—I think that's a great biblical teaching that we are to be model, role models. We're to we're to to teach our children by that they see it in us as well as hear it from us. It's really good. That's good, guys. I think the one that that I would use is it comes out of Ephesians chapter four. Verse 32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Um, my wife and I, before we got married, we really made a promise to one another that we would ask each other for forgiveness whenever we said something or did something that hurt or offended the other. And then when we we had kids, we determined in our heart that uh, because parents do mess up for sure. Times. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, we do anyways. sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes out of anger, we say something or do something. Um, and, and my wife and I, we would ask our sons for forgiveness. Son, I'm sorry for what I said. I should not have said that. And I'm so sorry. I hurt you that way. Will you please forgive me? And we would ask them for forgiveness and, Guys, I can remember one Christmas, this was our, our sons were grown, and a couple of them had gotten kind of cross with each other, and they uh, they didn't even know I walked by, but I heard one of them say, hey, brother, I'm sorry you know, for what I said, and mm-hmm. will you forgive me? And it's because in families, we do wrong each other. We do say, we, we get mad at each other. There's friction, and we... And, uh, and we've got to be kind and tenderhearted to one another and practicing forgiveness. It's good. Uh, for me, one would be from Deuteronomy 6, where you've got this thing where, where it says, Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with our heart, soul, and mind. And you shall have these things on your heart. And you shall teach them to your children. And then it goes through this list of really ordinary everyday kind of things. When you wake up in the morning, when you go to bed at night, when you take a road trip together, all these super normal things. And I, th- I think for me, one of the things there is that, that, yeah, we should provide some structure for our kids to teach them God's word. I think that's really wise. And at the same time, we should know that God has built into parenthood thousands of teachable moments most of which are unplanned, most of which are conversations that just come up 
while you're driving down the road or you watch the news or you watch a movie together or whatever the case may be. And, and just to be ready to catch those teachable moments as they come and know that when you miss one, because we all do, I for sure do, it's really awesome that God built in thousands because if he only built in three and I missed one, well, now I'm, I'm down to two. Uh, but but now that I know that even when I miss one, I can know that, hey, there's there's quite a few just around the corner, and it's okay. And, you know, I, I think we've got sons and daughters represented in this room here, uh, and so I can only speak from the standpoint of sons, but I know that uh, if I were to ask my son a question, mm-hmm. you know, you usually get, yeah, <laughs> I'm fine. Yeah. yeah. But whenever they're ready mm-hmm. and they ask that question, and I may not be ready for it, but that's those teachable moments that you're talking about, mm-hmm. Daniel, is, is uh, I, I, we, we, ought, we need to ask our kids questions, but mm-hmm. just know that sometimes it's when they ask the question. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think we, what we were talking about, what you were just talking about, Daniel, puts the the onus of responsibility on us. I mean, mm-hmm. there's I mean, there's parenting, but then there's biblical parenting. Mm-hmm. And that means like I said, when those opportunities present themselves, <laughs> I not only do I need to recognize it, but I need to be prepared to take that teachable moment and teach a scriptural, a biblical principle. Mm-hmm. You know, not not just what's yeah. popular now or what's you know, was in the latest magazine, but to actually take it to scripture and, and to be able to say to my, my child, well, here's what the Bible says about this, Yeah, you know, and, and to do that, I've got to know it. And so it puts the responsibility of you and I as parents, knowing we need to know what scripture says so that we can pass it on to the next generation. Absolutely. And, and I will just put in a quick plug for family devotions because Yes, most I, I do believe most of the teachable moments are unplanned, but it's worthwhile to have a little bit of structure for some of those things, like bringing your your kids, uh, in, involving them in a local church. That's a little bit of structure, and even just a simple family devotion, whether it's once a month, once a week, whatever it looks like for your family, just reading scripture together, maybe asking a few questions together, praying together even that simple, there's big value. That's right. And so I'm not saying throw out all of the structure. Yeah, but don't just beat know yourself that. up if you're not having, you know, 45 minutes of, <laughs> that's of right. strict Bible study yeah. with your family every day. Yeah, yeah that's good. Okay, N- last question, because remember, we're doing three today. Remember what? that, Randy? Yeah. That's a great idea. We three should do questions that more often. podcast. Mind blown. <laughs> okay, uh, last question. I know that life begins at conception, but why do we believe that? Well, th- there are a lot of verses that would support that, but I want to take us right back to, to, to Genesis 2 at, at creation, where Scripture tells us that God formed Adam out of the dust of the earth and then breathed life into him. Mm-hmm. And uh, and as we were discussing before this started to you know that that shows us that life is something that God gives. It's it's beyond biological. Mm-hmm. It's it's a gift. It's something that that God holds in His hand. He He begins it, 
and he ends it. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I think that's a great teaching moment for us that, that all life is from God. It's not just a, it didn't just happen. It was mm-hmm. part of the creative purpose of God. And of course, then throughout scripture, building off of that, God refers to, you know, his word refers to before we were born, he knits us in the womb. He knows mm-hmm. us. Jeremiah, you know, I knew you and and had called you to a purpose. So mm-hmm. even well before the day you actually are make your grand entrance into the 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 light of the world, you have had a name, a purpose, a creative event going on uh, in in your existence. Yeah. And and you guys, uh, it comes back to those first three chapters of Genesis that if God is not the conceiver of life, if God is not the giver of physical life, then why would we ever believe then he's the conceiver, the giver of eternal life or, or abundant life? And so at what point did spiritual life come into me? Well, it's at the point that God saved me. Whenever, at his initiative. That's exactly yeah. right. And and so that's why I believe that life begins when God conceives it, that when that process, biological process that God designed, when it touches, when it happens, life begins at that very moment because God has done that. Yeah, so good. And for me, one of the strong ones in Scripture is Psalm 51. And, and it's really kind of the big emphasis of these ver- this verse is about our sinful nature from, from conception. But I, I think it also points to just life at conception when uh, David says that uh, in sin did my mother conceive me. And, and so he says that he calls himself a me. He calls himself a person at that point of conception. And I think that's strong, that, that even at that point, he, he was a person. Um, to be totally honest, probably before his mom even knew he was a person. And, uh, and, then, and then, you know, we, we see all these other examples of, like, John the Baptist being fully acknowledged uh, as, as life and as a person even before birth in Luke 1. But another one for me is that's big is back in Exodus 21 when in that Old Testament law it's talking about if if men are fighting and a, and a woman loses uh, and a, and the baby in her womb and the, the baby dies because of their fight, it's a capital offense. And and it's the same even today in our own laws, which is super interesting. I mean, we're a little, oh man, a little schizoph- conflicted. Conflicted, yeah, we're a little conflicted in that because because yeah, when it comes to crime in in those kind of instances, yeah, that that unborn baby is acknowledged as a life and a person, and then not when it's it's in the abortion clinic, but. Um, but this is what we see in Scripture. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. So, okay. Um, hey, got, real quick. Yeah. Back to question number two. One thing we didn't address, but I think it, it merits addressing is, you know, we look at Scripture like Psalm 119 where it talks about how to keep a person's heart pure, you know, which is what we want for our children. And one of it, it says, is, is to by keeping according to that word, and do not let me wander from thy commandments. 
a big part of parenting isn't only those teachable moments where we get to instill wisdom into our children, but it's also times where we're protecting our children from other teachings that would violate God's word. Mm -hmm. So I think another skill is not just the fact that we want to be ready to teach our children and give them God's word, but we also have the responsibility of protecting them and guarding them from teachings and ideas that would be harmful to them as well. So. Awesome. And if I accidentally said that Nehemiah was the head of Social Security, <laughs> okay, I heard secret okay, service. Secret Service is yeah. what I meant to say. Yeah, okay. I, that's what I heard. <laughs> okay, just wanted to clarify. A little different. So, uh, okay, here we go. Hey, just know that you guys that are listening, thank you for listening. We really, really hope it's it's helpful and useful. And if it is, know that you can subscribe um, wherever you get your podcast or you can share it with someone else. If it, if it could be helpful to them, we would love that. And uh, Jeremy, thank you for making this all work. Jeremy Johnson. And, and remember that God, the God of the Bible, is never surprised or offended by our honest questions.